Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the second episode of the Can of Leipzig podcast. In this episode, me and my co-host Ethan are going to go over the exploits of some of the RBL players at the World Cup, particularly Timo Werner, Emil Forsberg, and Yusuf Paulsen. But speaking of my co-host, let's get him in here. Ethan, my friend, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I got my uh, my, my orange squash this time, not black currant. <laughs> this time we're, we're, we're switching it up. You knew the question before I even asked it. I knew the question. I remember, yeah. <laughs> I myself have a Key Lime LaCroix. It's not very good, but it's good for your body. So that's what I'm drinking. It's a little too it's early. What? It's what? It's a what? A LaCroix. Do you have that over in Wales? Don't know. <laughs> I've never heard of it. <laughs> it's basically just flavored sparkling water. It, it tastes pretty awful. But it has, let's, yeah, let, let's go over that. this, zero calories, zero trout, total fat, zero sodium, zero carbs. It's basically sparkling water with a little bit of some flavoring in there. Mine is in a glass, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> it was a little too early in my time zone, at least, to be having any beer or anything of that effect, so I figured I'd just pull out a, a refreshing LaCroix on this warm summer day. And speaking of warm summer days, there were a fair few of them recently over in Great Mother Russia. Uh, not too many good ones for our RBL players, particularly Timo Werner. Die Mannschaft got off to a pretty disappointing start, a 1-0 defeat to Mexico, in which Timo Werner, until maybe the 75th, 80th minute, did practically nothing. Um, I can say... Personally, I don't know about you, Ethan. I don't feel like that was much down to Werner. It was more of a you know tactical problem with Lowe. When you're you know the Mexicans were completely pushed back into their blocks, and we were trying to put you know crosses into Timo Werner. That's more of like the Mario Gomez style. Timo Werner, you need to break quickly, hit him on the counter. It really felt like a tactical disconnect between Werner's style of play and what Lowe was trying to do. Yeah, well. You see him at Leipzig, like you say, he breaks him down, he goes on the break and he gets him fast. Uh, but the way Lowe, like, watching it, it wasn't like watching Germany at, at the last World Cup. It was sort of, they, they felt like they were, they were stuck, like they were sort of restricted. Yeah. They, weren't really, they weren't really trying as hard as I think they could have. Yeah, it almost felt like they just expected to get get out of that group, despite the fact that it was admittedly a difficult group, as we've seen now by the fact that, you know, Mexico... Well, we say Mexico are a good team. They then went on to lose 3-0 against South Korea and do nothing against Brazil, so that's even more embarrassing. But Sweden did get through to the quarterfinals, so it's definitely a solid group. But the Germans, they almost seemed like they just expected to get through the group. They were just going through the motions. They really didn't have any... Um, incisiveness they didn't really have any drive to come at the opposition quickly maybe not on the counter but you know try to get some quick one twos going even when they are back in their blocks against South Korea I'm they did nothing there was really there was that Hummels header and I think Gomez had a header as well that might have hit the bar but short of that there was it was only chances from deep crosses that they were getting. There was nothing incisive. Uh, Ozil did admittedly create a ton of chances over the course of those games that he played in. Um, he's gotten a lot of flack lately from Germany fans, and I think partially for good reason, but partially there's some racial aspects there that are. I hope we can move on from, especially going forward looking at uh, Euro 2020. But yeah, it didn't seem like this team was cohesive at all. Well, maybe uh, a certain uh, Manchester City winger may have oh, solved a few of the issues. Uh, 
I can't, I, I'm still mad that he didn't go. Yeah, my first reaction when Leroy Zane, this is this is looking back quite far now, and obviously hindsight being twenty twenty. Um, if Germany had gone on to win the tournament, I don't think anybody would really, really cared about what happened with Leroy, Leroy Sané. But when we look back again, hindsight being twenty twenty, we look back at this and say, yeah, that probably would have helped, especially when they were struggling so hard to break down these tough defenses. Um, having some individual talent, individual flair in there might have helped, which we saw when players like Julian Brandt came on. He only played a matter of like less than 30 minutes over the course of those three games, but in those three, 30 minutes, he was probably the best player on the field for Germany because he does have that individual flair and individual talent that admittedly players like Thomas Muller and Marco Royce to a lesser extent don't have. I say that Marco Royce was probably Germany's best player, in my opinion, over the course of the tournament, however brief it was. But yeah, Leroy Zane, I feel like that was a big mistake. Um, I've heard different things from Germany fans, I don't know. There's a lot of discourse about what was done wrong and what was done right at the moment, and I'm not entirely sure that I have the insight for what was right and wrong in every situation, but I do feel like Sané was a bit of a blunder. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him over the course of a 38-game season in the Premier League, and what he has, I don't think... Marco Royce definitely has the quality, and yeah. I admit that he probably is a better player, but... He doesn't have that youth, that drive like Mbappe had mm -hmm. that final. Like he was just electric. He wouldn't like, uh, he wouldn't stop running. It, it, that's what I think Leroy Sané could have brought to the team. Whereas someone like Tony Kroos, which was your your best player, who admittedly carried you through a lot, he doesn't have that energy like Sané could have brought. And I yeah. think that's sort of probably one of the main reasons you could have done a bit better, but you didn't. So yeah. I mean, even looking at this team, player to player, there are there there was only one player in that starting eleven. If we look, if we combine the starting eleven from all three games, you look at that, and there was only one player starting that was a good, incisive, direct kind of player, and that's Timo Werner. Everybody else, you know, Tony Cruz, Sammy Kadira, who turned out to be one of the worst players of the tournament, uh, Mesut Özil to an extent, Thomas Müller, uh, Plattenhart, who started against Mexico for some reason that I cannot wrap my head around. None of these players are really the direct kind of players that I wish we would have seen from Germany when you're trying to pair them with Werner. If you want to play the kind of style that Lowe played, where you're going to play you know, lots of crosses in, trying to break these guys down at a low tempo, you need to start Mario Gomez, not Timo Werner. And I think Germany finally realized that, but it was you know, halftime in the third game, and by then it was, it was too far gone for them. It's hard. I can't, I'm not exactly a tactical genius, so I don't I can't say where they exactly went wrong, but I feel like you see through the through the entire tournament how um, amazing pace was to just get at the yeah. opposition. Right? Yeah. Kieran Trippier for England was probably one of their best players, mm -hmm. and all he did, all he did, all game was keep running, keep running, keep running. But he had that pace and that that cross. That's what Lowe wanted. He wanted that crossing ability, which he had. Mm -hmm. But if he could have had that coupled with pace and even just the desire and the willingness to want to win he lacked a lot I think the team they're a brilliant set of players but they didn't seem to work well the way he set them out to work and uh, I think that's the issue yeah and it looks like well it's been announced now that he is going to be staying with the team my my hope 
because I don't know if there's anybody better right now, especially now that Tuchel's gone to PSG and all of the big-name German managers have kind of been snapped up for the time being. My hope is that Lowe gets the kick up his pants that he needs and sticks around for Euro 2020. The Euros are the only tournament that Lowe hasn't won, so I think we give him one more shot. Because if he, we obviously, he won the World Cup. We want to let him go out on his own note. We want to let him go out on a high. So give him that last chance to win the Euros, and hopefully, if he can do that, he'll leave on a great high. Everybody will be, you know, fond memories and all that kind of stuff. Then we can move on. But if he does the same thing in Euro 2020 where he's bringing players into the starting 11 just based on, you know, personal relationships and personal favor rather than, oh, this is the best player for this system, this is the best player to break this team down, then they're going to get destroyed again in Euro 2020. It's going to be the same deal. I think that's what France had. Like, Deschamps got a lot of criticism for how, like, negative football he played. Mm -hmm, When mm -hmm. it came down to it, like, against Belgium, he put the right players on, they broke them down, and they got the result. Yeah. And as, and Belgium did that as well. They brought on Nasser Chadli and Fellaini and won them the game against Japan. It's like, they may not be your favourite players, they may not be world-class players, but when you need them, they're going to get the job done, and yeah. that's what they did. Yeah, I would totally agree with to that. And speaking of some other maybe not world-class players who did get the job done, we did have some other RBL contingent at the World Cup. Namely, in the same group, Emil Forsberg and Sweden, who of course did lose against Germany, but won their other two matches against South Korea and emphatically, I believe it was 3-0 against Mexico. Uh, it's arguable, especially when you consider it was only Werner, Poulsen, and Forsberg. Uh, Emil Forsberg and the Swedes probably had the best tournament out of any RBL player. Uh, they got through that group, that very difficult group actually topped it, and then beat the Swiss 1-0 in the round of 16 only to lose against England, where they did admittedly look a little lost in the quarterfinals, but you know, for Sweden, getting to the quarterfinals is really above and beyond what they could have expected. Yeah, I'm not trying to criticize Sweden, but when they were playing England, throughout the game they didn't look like they wanted to go forward at all. It yeah. was sort of, we're going to sit back and absorb it, but they were 1-0 down and they were just sitting back. Yeah. And then as soon as they went 2-0 down, you just saw it in their heads, it was gone, and they just didn't... After that, it was, well, we're out, we're not going to... They they didn't push for it. Yeah, they did definitely seem like they kind of just accepted their fate. Uh, they, it seemed like the occasion kind of got to them a little bit. Before then, they though... They were happy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were happy they got there and... Yeah, just yeah. for the occasion. I think Forsberg was, you know, quite solid. He got that one goal in the five games he played, but he was also quite big in their build-up play. No direct assists, but definitely was integral in setting some of those plays up. I remember against Germany, at least, he was really quite good against dribbling through that defense, which a lot of other players did, admittedly, so maybe not too impressive. Um, but quite a solid tournament from Forsberg. I think going into this next season... Because uh, obviously Forsberg in the 2017-2018 season kind of got dropped. There was a little bit of controversy there. We weren't really sure where his fate was, whether or not he was going to be sold. I hope that after that kind of performance at the World Cup, we can you know see Forsberg reintegrated into the starting 11. Uh, that's to say, as long as he doesn't leave and hopefully you know push this team of players forward uh, with the creative ability that he does have going forward. He has it like. You saw a glimpse of it at the World Cup. He has yeah. it. He has that that talent that you need. I'd say in most top level teams to sort of break down opponents and just get the win. Yeah. And he, he has that ability. So if you if if uh, Leipzig can keep him, 
that's a massive. I think that's better than most signings they could make. Yeah, keeping hold of a top level player. That's definitely true. Obviously, would cost a lot less as well. So, yeah, that's that to be considered. Less in today's market. Yeah. The only other player that there was for RBL at the World Cup was, of course, the Dane himself, Yusuf Polson, who was wearing Yusuf on his uh, shirt. Obviously, I believe that's a reference to his father, which was uh, the member of his family, at least, who got him involved in football. So that's cool, at least. He also scored one goal while he was there, but he did only play three games. So, you know, quite impressive. I think he played less than 300 minutes as well. It was like 276 or something, so... Went the full distance in those games, but yeah, the Danes, I honestly was really impressed with their performance against Croatia, especially seeing what Croatia did after that, because I think Denmark easily could have knocked Croatia out in that round of 16 game. I was good from, I was watching it, and Kasper Schmeichel saved that penalty against yeah, yeah. Modric, and after that I was like, well, I want them to go through, they've just... I love Eriksson. I think he's a fantastic player. I think Schmeichel's been great for a couple of seasons now. And I just I wanted them to go through, but you saw that the quality of Croatia eventually on penalties yeah. got through, but not without Schmeichel and the whole of Denmark putting up a massive fight. Yeah. I think Poulsen was really integral to that, especially with his, uh, his hold-up play, getting those midfield players integrated more. Um, especially, I was actually really impressed with Nlase Shona, who eventually did miss a penalty, but when he came on and he paired up with Poulsen, I was really quite impressed with that. But all in all, not a bad performance from the RBL players, but nobody really lit up the tournament. Uh, there was one former RBL player who did quite well, though. That is, of course, Ante Rebic, who... Playing for Croatia wow. made it all the way to the final and is now being touted with pretty much every big team in Europe. Uh, of course, played for Leipzig in the second division. I believe it was second. It may even have actually been the third division several years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had a really solid performance this World Cup. He, I mean, he was on something else. Like, yeah. Um, every time you watch him, he's just that strength and that pace. He has. I mean, I think it was fifty million they were saying. Yeah. As a fee, which but seems a little excessive to me. But <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna go out there on a limb and say he's not the most gifted, like technically. Oh, not at all. He's, he's good at what he does, but I don't think he's worth upwards of fifty million or yeah. even more than that. The other problem with Rebic that I've seen, you know, thrown against him is he's not a super good player in terms of uh, direct contribution to goals. So he doesn't pick up a ton of direct assists or goals themselves. But what he is definitely very, very good at and that people seem to be forgetting a lot is his play and build up, you know, his ability to get past players with strength and speed and then set up other players to contribute to goals. I mean, that's something you can't teach some players, especially that strength. I was consistently impressed with that except against france that was kind of a yeah i feel like against france there was no way it was going to happen for him though i don't know i the the scoreline says a different story but i thought it was quite it was close I, at the start of the game croatia yeah. were dominating and yeah. i don't think i thought he wasn't a true reflection of how they played mm -hmm. uh, obviously the big mistake from loris could have been 4-1 if he didn't do that but yeah um if you watch it, the way Perisic and Rebic paired up yeah. with with Modric was just that was next level for for such a small uh, country. 
to go so far and have such good players. It was so fun to watch, especially like even though France did get those two with Pogba and Mbappe, they were pretty pretty good goals. But I still think Croatia did give them a good run. It was four two, but yeah. it wasn't as comfortable as what they would have hoped for France going into it. They would have hoped for a more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had, they had to actually play football. They had to actually run at them, take it to them. They couldn't just sit back like they did against Belgium. Yeah. Which I, was fun to watch. Yeah, you mentioned that early stage of the game, and I feel like if they would have capitalized there, obviously without the own goal, uh, they really could have been off to a good start because they were all over France for most of that first half, I've got to say. And they pro- still had... I. Th- no, sorry. No, go ahead. I think they had, at the end of the game, they had more possession, more passes, yeah. all of these sorts of things. So... Like you said, if they did capitalize on it, I think they would have run out winners. Yeah, I feel like more than anything, the defense let them down a little bit, and also just individual brilliance on a couple of occasions from the French players. I mean, there's nothing really you can do against that. Any team of the world couldn't have stopped Pogba and Mbappe on that day, I don't think. Even Griezmann. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the all whole over of the their, place. Yeah. The only disappointment for me for that entire French team was... Uh, and Golo Kante. Yeah, yeah. I was I mean, the one player I could criticize in that team. Yeah, I get, I think against the Belgians he was quite good because that they were playing a more defensive, try to counter style, which I think fits Kante a little bit. Um, but against the the Croatians, Modric and um, uh, Rakitic were just playing their way around him almost, which of course he got yanked pretty early for Steven and Zanzi. Which at the time, yeah. I think at the time, everybody was like, oh shit, what is happening? But it turned out to be a really nice tactical move from Deschamps. Um, I he should... was a good, like, he, he, he managed that game very well. Yeah. I should say, because I've been a really vocal, you know, I don't like Didier Deschamps, especially while he was at PSG and the most recent years of coaching France, he plays a very negative style that I don't like very much. But, I mean, he got the job done. I think the first three games he wasn't very good, but once he got into the knockout stages, tactical masterclass from Deschamps, have to give him credit for that. Uh, I wouldn't say he uh, technically outclassed is it J- Jalic? How I don't know. How yeah, that's that's fair. Manager. Yeah, but I don't think he outclassed him. He just had better players. Yeah, and uh, they took their chances. Yeah, I think obviously that's... on on two of the occasions, I can't say if uh, France didn't get the free kick. Apparently, they wouldn't have won. I don't know how that would have gone. But the free kick to me wasn't a free kick, and the penalty to me was yeah. not a penalty either. I think especially but, the free kick, the consensus even now is that it probably wasn't. Yeah. But they still, France still didn't settle. When they were 2-0 up, they didn't stop. Yeah. Or 2-1 up, sorry. They didn't stop. They kept going for more. Yeah. I think a lot of teams would have just you know sat back and accepted that they'd probably won the game at 2-1, especially in a World yeah. Cup final. But They didn't, and they, and they kept going, and that's something that Deschamps doesn't usually get his players to do, so yeah. credit. Yep, all credit to France and all credit to Mr. Ante Rebic, former RBL, I wouldn't even say a star, but former RBL player, nonetheless. 
That's it guys, I think we have probably talked just about enough about the World Cup and the RBL players in it. We will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about the Bundesliga season coming towards us thick and fast. Obviously RBL haven't really kicked off all of their friendlies for preseason yet, so that'll be something we'll be looking into. Uh, looking into a little bit of the transfer speculation, uh, Lookman, there's a whole saga going on there, so we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, and a couple of other things going ahead into the season. But you can expect us to see us in a couple of weeks. I've been Kyle, signing off for me and my friend Ethan. I'll see you later.